Karen. I am your host for this podcast. It's called The Woman Inspired uh, because I'm the woman inspired, or at least I'm one of them, and hopefully I'm going to inspire you too, whether you're a man or a woman. That's what this podcast is for, and for me to share the things that God has put on my heart and my mind and my spirit. So I hope you'll enjoy it. If this is your first time joining me, I really appreciate it. And if it's not your first time joining me, I appreciate it as well. I hope that you will like and follow this podcast. Maybe share it with someone else. That would be terrific. You can find me if you want to follow me on social media on Instagram. Just search for One Woman Inspired. That's the number one, followed by Woman Inspired. And you'll see me there. And yeah, I'm on Facebook too. Not such a grand presence on there. I'm a little Facebook shy, but I'm working on it. So I'll keep you updated. So today's podcast is called Baggage Claim. So I heard something um, on TV not long ago. Someone said, it ain't baggage if you refuse to pick it up and carry it with you. I'll repeat that. (laughs) It ain't baggage if you refuse to pick it up and carry it with you. Pardon the poor grammar. I was raised in the era of ain't ain't a word and all that jazz, but many people today accept it as common. And as I've found out to my uh, very ultimate horrific dismay, it is also in the dictionary now in more than one dictionary besides the urban dictionary, including Merriam-Webster. Although there is a footnote that says (laughs) ain't is disapproved of in many circles and Uh, cultures. So at least there's the footnote. But um, for today's podcast purposes, we're going to say ain't is a word, at least until we're done. But I also start out every podcast with a quote that I like to share. So I have basically two quotes. I just shared that one, but I'm going to share another one. This quote is by Emma Magenta. That supernatural fatigue you're carrying around with you right now is dead weight of the past and you insist on dragging it into the future. That's kind of heavy, isn't it? No pun intended. It's kind of heavy weight. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to tell you the quote again. That supernatural fatigue you're carrying around with you right now is dead weight of the past and you insist on dragging it into the future. And oh, how I hope that quote's not true for most of us, but we do have a tendency, I think most of us, uh, of taking what was from the past and dragging it into our future. And that's a little bit of what I'm going to be talking about today. So back to that, it ain't baggage if you refuse to pick it up and carry it with you quote. It it was one of those things that I heard um, that it ain't baggage if you refuse to pick it up and carry it with you. That kind of struck me like lightning. Kind of like lightning strikes that man in South Carolina I heard about the other day. He's been hit by lightning 11 times in his life. Yeah, that's not, I'm not making that up. It's true. Uh, very true story. They say lightning never strikes twice, um, but this man defies all the odds because not only being struck by lightning more than once, twice, but 11 times so far in his life, but he lives to tell about all of them. His wife says uh, she never gets near him in a storm. I don't blame her, partly for self-protection. And she says so someone can be around to call 911 when he gets hit. Now, isn't that a hopeful note? Hopefully he will never get hit by lightning again. It's scary. And just a footnote here myself, I will not be moving to South Carolina and becoming his neighbor anytime soon. (laughs) All right, so back to the quote about baggage and, and the whole idea of picking up that baggage or claiming it as yours in the first place. 
as with most things, God needs to kind of smack me uh, with things for me to get it. And this came at just the right time. I may not always understand why I'm getting smacked with something in the moment, but I usually figure it out before too long because it will apply to something in my life in the near future. That's just the way God works with me. Um, as was the case with this baggage quote. God's good like that, and he's good to me, and he knows that I need it, even though I don't deserve it. He knows what's coming up for each one of us, because he prepares us in ways we might not be able to see, or in ways that might drive us crazy in the moment, but help us, and it's invaluable to us. Uh, if we heed it, if we apply it, if we recognize it. Um, and so, in whatever it is that we're going through, that he needs to give us a message. Sometimes he does it in ways um, that are loud, sometimes in subtle. And like I say, I, I use the term smack because sometimes it feels like I, I've just gotten whacked in the face or maybe buckets of water poured on me. Uh, and, and I get something that I haven't gotten before. Or I know, oh my gosh, this is something I heard not long ago and look what's happening in my life. Now I know why I need to apply this. I need to, to take it seriously. So I know there's a phrase about being gobsmacked, um, or a term, gobsmacked, but this is totally different. I had to look it up because I've heard people say it for years and years. Oh, I was totally gobsmacked. And it's a British and Scottish term for being totally shocked or astonished. But for me, I like to call it gobsmacked because it's so much deeper than just being astonished. I mean, it can be something that's surprising or shocking, um, Yet for me, it's deeper than that. So it's one of those things that makes you feel like saying, wow, or no way, or oh my gosh, I get it. It lingers, it lasts, it stays with you for longer than something that just gobsmacks you or astonishes you because it's more than a feeling. It's like being struck by spiritual lightning, if you will. That's what I call being Godsmacked. And this quote that I heard the other day that I heard someone say, just Godsmacked me. Not because I hate the word ain't, because I do, but because it hit me, it sunk in a bit, and then a few days later, it smacked me again and struck me really hard. I needed to know this information. I didn't know I needed to know it at the time, but I needed to know it, because I needed to be able to go back over it and over it again for days in my head in order to heed its warning and work to apply it to my journey. I'm not sure about you, but I have done my fair share of picking up things along this journey and carrying them with me. I've taken full ownership of things that I shouldn't have, as if I had a claim ticket and picked them up at baggage claim. Things, people, experiences, mistakes, hurts, pains, things I had no business picking up and holding on to. And they've weighed me down. The weight of carrying all these little boxes, bags, and emotional totes, they drug me down to a, a place of constant anxiety with fear just basically scratching at me every day, every single day for a long time in my life. These things dug at me. It's really something I'd done, I think, since I was younger. I'm not sure why holding on to these things. Um, maybe it was something I saw my parents do, probably, maybe a little bit of it, especially when they were younger. I'm sure they did something similar to that. Um, and again, a lot of it was fear-driven. But as my parents got older, I don't ever recall seeing much of that. So I know my dad had told me many times before he passed away that it was better to let go of things than to carry them with you. And that included people, he said. 
he'd learned over his lifetime that sometimes you have to love people at a distance. You had to let them go because it wasn't healthy for you to have them in your life and probably not healthy for them either. That's something I try hard to remember, but I don't always practice well, and it it isn't easy to do. But I do understand it better now. You can love someone without having them in your life every second. And you can love someone and not like them and know it's best for them not to be in your life. Sometimes we don't let go of things or people we should because we're afraid to hurt others in the process. And I get that. I'm very much the same way. Or we don't let go because if we let go, that means also letting go of control. And there's a whole lot of us, (laughs) me included, who have control issues. Although I've worked really hard on it and my control issues are not as bad or they they kind of uh, wax and wane or they come and go. But in the end, as difficult as it is, I'm happier, I'm less anxious and more peaceful when I let go of the things and people that I should. One thing is for sure, if I've held on to someone or something so long that it causes me to sin, uh, to lose my temper, cuss, make rash and poor decisions, then it's been too, too long. The expiration date has come and gone. That relationship or situation is far past the best if used by date, and I needed to discard it a long time ago. Does that sound harsh? Especially when I'm talking about a person? Maybe. But I think you just might understand exactly where I'm coming from. Because this affects affects a whole lot of people that I know. Maybe you're there now. And maybe you've allowed someone in your life to become a true burden. A heavy, carrying them around, wishing you could drop that load burden. Well, perhaps it's time to cut back the dead weight. Prune the trees and clean the vine. Dead weight. Dead weight. I'm going to say it again dead weight. It's something that's dying or long ago dead, especially a relationship of some sort, and it gets heavy to carry. If you look at a dead tree um, where it has dead limbs growing out of it, or it's half dead, or you have dead vines that you see, you can see them shrivel, and then they eventually get hard and harder, and they eventually cease to bear fruit or grow leaves at all. Dead weight is, well, I mean, it's simply that. It's dead. And you are called to live, to be alive while you're breathing, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally alive while your body is still here. That's hard to do when you're carrying around old baggage and dead weight. The Bible tells us that God prunes back the branches that are alive and that bear fruit. So they will bear more fruit. I mean, if you ever had any kind of um, fruit bearing bush or even a a floral bush like roses you got to cut them back so that it'll bloom more blackberries blueberry bushes raspberries um fruit trees you cut them back so the new growth will happen you got to cut the dead stuff off Um, i have hydrangeas i had to do that too this year really cut them back far in order to hopefully they will um, bloom and prosper more in the spring and hopefully you're bearing fruit for god Hopefully you're growing and you're filled with life. He doesn't want you to feel like you're dead inside while you're here alive. And it says in the Bible that he cuts off and disposes of the dead branches that bear no fruit at all. That's not just a warning for us, but also an example. If we allow someone else's dead weight to pull us down, then we're susceptible to ceasing to bear fruit as well. And if we allow something or someone a relationship maybe that is dying or dead to cling to us and suck the life out of us, we're stepping towards spiritual and emotional death ourselves. 
do you have someone like that in your life? You don't have to answer me. Of course, I can't hear you, but you don't have to answer me. Just think about it. Someone you know full well that God has shown you you should not be in relationship with. Yet you fear hurting him or her. Or you hate confrontation. Or you're hooked on the drama they bring. Maybe you're one of those people who kind of feeds off that passive-aggressive, toy-with-my-emotions drama or the high and low that comes from that kind of a half-dead, draining relationship. Sounds odd, but there really are people who are born and raised in chaos and drama who actually seek it out as they get older or let it linger in their lives because it seems normal to them, even though they know that it's draining them, even though they know that it's hurtful. They just don't know how to stop that cycle. It's chaotic comfort. That might be a good phrase for it. Chaotic comfort. But God has so much more in mind for us than chaotic comfort. Chaos does not come from God. What he has in mind for you is not distractions, unhealthy relationships, and energy-sucking activities you do out of feeling obligated. He wants you to live and breathe and move in him. So John 15, 2, 4 says, He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So this is Jesus talking. And he's saying that every branch of his that doesn't produce fruit is going to get, or that does produce fruit, will get pruned back. And everyone that doesn't is going to get cut off. And he wants us to remain in him because we can't produce fruit. We can't produce anything good, anything beautiful, anything of quality unless we remain in him. So sometimes it hurts when God prunes us. Sometimes he cuts things out of our lives and prunes back our responsibilities or our luxuries or even our desires that we didn't want to get rid of. And we might not understand why in the moment, but he always has a plan. Again, he sees what you can't see. He knows what you need. He knows what you need even before you do. And sometimes we don't even acknowledge that we need it until well after the fact. Sometimes he calls us to prune, to pick up those shears ourselves and cut off or cut out the dead weight so we can bear fruit. I found from my own experiences that if I keep things that distract me from my purpose regularly trimmed up, pruned back and refuse to carry dead weight, then God doesn't have to do as much for me in the way of forcing me to let go, which can hurt. Um, Yes, I need pruning at times when I don't even realize it because I slip or I don't take care of my spiritual and emotional needs or my relationships as I should, or because I just plain can't see what's coming my way. But God sees. And so when he prunes, I have to accept it and work hard to know inside and out that it's for my best. But there are many times when I've allowed someone or something in my life and I know without a doubt that I have to cut them out. I have to set them down and not carry them because he calls me to stay healthy, to have relationships that honor him and that allow me to live, to be alive, to bear fruit rather than pull me one step closer to spiritual death or to constantly sinning or having a negative attitude or being in a bad place. So after hearing this quote about not picking things up and carrying them, I had an emotional time um, over a relationship. This is something um, that was difficult for me to deal with because it's someone who has hurt me before 
but I continue to allow them in my life for many different reasons. I get the reasons I said earlier that we might all have obligation. I don't want to hurt the person. I really do care about the person. And I keep thinking, well, if I do more or I do this or I do this, then it will help them. Or I'm maybe they won't act this way over and over and over again. And of course I can forgive them. I can be forgiving and I am a very forgiving person. Sometimes I have to work on it like everybody else. Um, and, and I do for, have this tendency to, um, forget a little bit or try to forget a little bit or pretend I'm forgetting a little bit when I don't have to forget. And, and I don't need to, um, always hold on to somebody or something when I've forgiven that in my own life or forgiven them, but have this tendency to do it. I'm a people collector. I think <laughs> just, I don't know. I think I'm a people collector, not necessarily a people pleaser, but a people collector. Um, I like to give people chance after chance after chance. Um, and sometimes God wants us to just give them a chance to be on their own and give ourselves a chance to be alive without carrying out this other heavy weight on us. So while they can be well-meaning, um, they're also very much about what they want. Some of these people that we're supposed to let go of, um, that God wants us to acknowledge and recognize that sometimes there are these people, um, that are all about themselves, about what they need, what they want, what they think, and what their own worldview is. And, and they shove it at us. And a lot of times these are people that God wants us to let go of. That doesn't mean you don't have to pray for them. That doesn't mean he doesn't want you to pray for them. He, he does. It's, it's, a, it's a responsibility if he's laid that on your heart. That doesn't mean you can't love them. But as I was reminded, God puts people in our lives for reasons and seasons. Sometimes it's time to let the season pass and let those people go. And I was also reminded after much hurt that the hurt and pain and the season passing probably wasn't all about me. In a relationship, we kind of tend to think about ourselves first and foremost and, and about how it, it enhances us or how good we are in it or how it hurts us. But sometimes in that thinking about me, me, me aspect of how the relationship has affected me, 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 we forget about how is it affecting the other person. So, well, I've come to realize that oftentimes when I have to let go of someone, it's actually as much or more about them than it is me. My purpose in their life is buttoned up and I need to move on, not just for myself, but for them. So one thing I can do that helps me stay in tune with these times and understand when and how I'm supposed to let go of people and purge things is not just uh, get to the point where I'm hurting so bad that I can't take it anymore, but the purging of the people and the things, the, the habits, desires, hobbies, attitudes, um, is to read the Bible and keep sharp about what God wants from me and what he doesn't want from me. And I need to stay in regular prayer and praise to him. All this helps me to discern what I should allow in my life in the first place and what I shouldn't and when I should let go of things and when I shouldn't. In other words, if I start by not picking up the baggage in the first place, I'm far better off and way ahead of the game. Like the comment I heard someone say the other day, it ain't baggage if you, you refuse to pick it up and carry it with you. So when something becomes seemingly dead weight or I'm supposed to let something or someone go from my purview and my responsibility list or even from my heart, I have to let it go or it becomes that baggage and I will definitely pick it up and take it with me moving forward. If I say no to God and insist on saying yes to carrying it and going to that baggage claim and 
claiming it as if it's mine, whatever it is, I know he doesn't want me to carry, then I ain't got no one to blame but myself. <laughs> and yes, I just said ain't. <laughs> when I seriously analyze and think about the times in my life when I was working hard to stay in a relationship or go someplace or accomplish something, but it was going nowhere, there seemed to always be blockades every which way I turned and I kept trying to get over them and past them. And those things I wanted never came to fruition or they were very difficult for me to obtain and then I regretted obtaining them later. So I think God likely put all those roadblocks in the way for me so I didn't veer off my path and go away I wasn't supposed to go. Sometimes I got it and I listened to him and I went a different direction and other times I just kept going at it and going at it and going at it. He sees up ahead where I can't see though. I can only suppose what might be I'm up ahead or what I'm headed for. And I have to acknowledge that he wants what's best for me and that he can see where I can't see. Have you ever been on a stretch of highway where there's road construction? They have everyone basically gradually move over from one lane to the other. Usually not always, but usually they give you a mile or so notice on the highway with signs telling you which lane is closed so everyone can play nice and gradually get over a lane. Sadly, not everyone plays nice. Um, maybe you're one of those people who doesn't play nice. Mm -hmm. I will uh, leave that conviction up to God and you. Crazy driver, crazy driver. Yes, you are. Anyway, um, one day I was on a stretch of highway going into Ohio and there was construction. And okay, if you've ever driven much in the state of Ohio, there's always construction in Ohio. So let's say this probably happened sometime in the last 30 years. <laughs> so we had miles of notice to get over because the right lane was going to be closed. Well, inevitably, there were a few vehicles, I'm sure you're surprised, that refused to get over. They zipped up and tried to rush into the left lane at the last minute. For most of them, it worked because I could see the cars a few lengths in front of me let them in because probably they were afraid they were going to get hit if they didn't. But then a semi not too far in front of me decided to move over to the middle of the two lanes so no cars could zip past him on either side. I guessed um, so that they wouldn't cause a greater slowdown because that's usually what happens. So these cars zip by everybody else and then they just create a hazard and they make things even slower. The semi-driver was apparently high up enough up though that he could see up ahead what was going on. And the rest of us little old cars couldn't. We could only see what was close to us and of course the what was right in front of us. And for me that was the back of the semi where someone had written the best thing I've ever seen written in the dirt on the back of a semi before. It said, I may need to be washed in suds but my driver is washed in the blood. Yeah, I really like that. Okay, maybe it wasn't the funniest thing that I've ever read on the back of a semi, um, but it was really cool and I liked it. So um, anyway, back to my story. <laughs> anyway, this semi driver had straddled the two lanes and was blocking cars from zooming past him to get up ahead. And of course, coming right up on my side was a small sports car. Um, he was just hauling butt. He squeezed himself between me and the semi. He cut me off. He got over and he sped up trying to pass the semi. But the semi moved over so the truck couldn't pass him. When the semi moved to the left, the truck, the um, sports car moved to the right to try to pass him on the shoulder. And when the semi moved back to the right again to cut him off, the sports car started honking his horn. 
the the driver was obviously ticked off big time, the sports car driver. He zipped over to the left, and when the semi tried to block him again, I thought, oh, wow, that semi driver may be washed in the blood, but he's being a jerk because this car was being dangerous, and I think he was making it worse. I thought he should just let the sports car go ahead or he's going to create an accident. But the sports car was too fast for the semi-driver, and he zipped over in the lane and squeezed between the guardrail on the other side and the semi and just plowed right past him. And all of a sudden, all of these brakes went on everywhere, including the semi in front of me, and I had to slam on my brakes. The semi slammed on his brakes, and which means, of course, I did too, and everyone behind me. So it took several minutes for us to go even further and go even further. And I thought, well, he just cut in front of everybody and created a slowdown, just like I thought was going to happen. But as I made my way up to where the lane closure actually was, where all these cones were, I could see that the lane closure was due to a huge hole and crack in the pavement. I mean, it was surrounded by cones and construction flags and those flashing barrels. And right there, when I got up to it, right there in the middle of the hole, turned on its side, was the sports car that had just zipped up and back. The semi-driver, whom I thought was a jerk and I had to apologize to God for, was actually trying to keep the sports car and anybody else from driving up headlong into that huge hole. He could see what was up ahead and the man in the sports car couldn't until it was too late. But he didn't heed the warning. He didn't pay attention. What semi-driver did is what God does for us. He might move to get in your way or mine because he can see you heading in a direction that will cause you to get hurt. And he might rip someone or something from your life because it's what's best for you. Or he might convict you to let go or stop carrying or prune back the dead weight of something or someone or keep you from going uh, on a path that you shouldn't go on. Because he can see not only what's up ahead for us, but he knows the plans he has for each of us when we get to where we're going. And he wants to guide, mold, shape, and keep each one of us driving in the right direction. And nope, just because God tells you to do it doesn't mean it will always be easy. And it will take time. Maybe you do need to get rid of baggage you've been carrying for a long time that you never should have picked up in the first place. I've had to do that. It's not easy. But with God, it's possible. That might take a bit more time to get rid of than baggage you kind of half-heartedly picked up recently. Or maybe you're called to prune back that thing, that habit, that desire, that person, so he or she doesn't become a heavy dead weight you're carrying. Pruning also can take time. You can't just rip something or someone from you without likely creating deeper wounds in them and maybe in you and maybe unnecessarily so. Sometimes we just want to say, chuck it all, forget about it. I'm getting rid of this person. I'm cutting them off. I'm done. Or this thing or this habit. When God wants us to be patient, God wants us to do it in love. He wants us to do it out of kindness. He wants us to do it where people can see him shine through our actions. We have to seek wisdom and strength to do it no matter what. Seek God to show you when and how to prune back in a way that's healthy for you. Seek the guidance and comfort of the Holy Spirit through these processes. This is what I'm urging you to do. You know, when I think about trying to carry something we shouldn't carry, it's funny because I think about my nephew. When he was about six years old, he tried to pick up my dad, his grandfather, 
um, he had seen a superhero show and on that show this strong superhero had lifted a man up with one hand well my nephew was playing superhero and he wanted to try to lift my dad up so bad so my dad stood up and said okay so here's this tiny little six-year-old boy trying to lift a full-grown man Boy, my nephew was determined. He grabbed one leg and started to try to lift and lift. It was so funny. The look of determination on his face as he grunted and groaned, trying to get his grandfather lifted off the ground. So then he wrapped both of his arms around my dad's legs when that first try didn't happen or didn't go so well. And he tried to lift him up that way. I mean, he had his whole, all his little arms wrapped around his legs and he huffed and he puffed and he was, oh, and all he, all he could do was basically almost knock my dad off balance a little bit and almost knocked him over. But he tried grabbing my dad's socks and pulling up by his socks. But of course, to no avail, he couldn't lift this full grown man up by his socks. And we were all giggling like crazy. And as we're doing so, my nephew stood up, put his hands on his hips, and he said, That's not fair. You're pushing down too hard. (laughs) As if my dad pushing down was the issue. Not the fact that a tiny six-year-old was trying to lift the full weight of a grown man. It was so funny and so cute. I'll never forget it. But when I think about that scene in my life, I think that sometimes... We must look like that to God, don't you think? Here we are grunting and groaning, huffing and puffing, trying to lift and carry things we're not strong enough to carry and have no business trying to lug around with us on this journey anyhow. So our actual pod quote today was, that supernatural fatigue you're carrying around with you right now is dead weight of the past and you insist on dragging it into the future. So I want to implore you, don't drag it into the future. What have you picked up and taken along with you that you're not supposed to? What are you carrying that you're supposed to let go of? Has it caused you fatigue, supernatural, spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical fatigue? I encourage you to take time in the coming weeks to spend one-on-one with God to seek his advice on this matter. What is it he wants you to put down, prune back, purge, and drop from your load, from your shoulders? Find out, and then I pray you seek his strength to follow through and let it go. Thank you for joining me for the Woman Inspired Podcast. Please follow along, subscribe, share it with someone else.